Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to. Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. If it's a Monday, you know what we're talking about on this show. Another ATP Challenger-centric recap from Cracked Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Jakob Babaro. On today's show, they discuss the cancellation of the Moscow Challenger, the next top 100 debutantes, Poland and Slovakia's upcoming Davis Cup ties, and so much more. It is another fantastic episode that we know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, if you want to know what happened last weekend on the ATP and WTA Tour levels, hop on over to our mini break podcast feed, our daily recap of all the action happening across the tennis world, college tennis coverage here later up this week on the Great Shot podcast feed, and of course, weekend broadcast every Friday and Sunday on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel and on various SEC team websites. Of course, with all of that said, though, you didn't come here to hear about the plugs and all of the content available at CrackRackets.com. No, you came to her hear what's happening. Her, you came to hear, hey, great shot, what's happening at the ATP Challenger level. So without further ado, let's get to it. Another ATP Challenger recap from Crack Rackets contributors, Damian Kust and Jakob Barbaro. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Podcast. I am once again joined by my friend Jakub, who is gonna uh, talk with me about Forli Paul and about some other stuff that we have, uh, you know, that we have on our list today. Uh, we decided that we're gonna start in Forli today. Yes, Forli, where once again uh, Jack Draper was the title, uh, unbelievably so. I, I, I think we'll, what a result from him beating uh, Alexander Richard in the final. Three six six three seven six. Um, the the tie break in the in the third was was ten eight. He saved what was it four four, four, four yeah points? three consecutive and and the four and the fourth one later yeah. Insane stuff uh, from from Draper. Uh, he now breaks into the top one fifty. Uh, moves up seventeen spots. Three challenger titles already. Uh, we're only in February. Do you think that he could he could go for the for the record here? Theoretically, it might be too early, but yeah, I mean it's it's very theoretical because you usually get to the top one hundred before you get eight titles, right? Right now, yeah. with the the rankings already almost unfrozen, let's say uh, it the top one hundred uh, threshold got down to six sixty about. Right now, I think it's I think it's gonna be Guido Pea at six seventy six points. While last year, let's say I don't know in October or something, it was about eight hundred points. That's why yeah. Vicksport played eight challengers. I mean, won eight challengers and still played them. And Draper, I imagine before he wins eight, but if there was an event in Forli like every single week of the year. <laughs> then, uh, then he would 100% break it, honestly. He's been so unbelievable. I mean, 15-1, right, in, in, in Forley this year, the only loss to Borna Goyo. Yeah. And I don't know if you will agree with me, but, like, this is actually the most impressive week to me. Uh, because when you're just going out and beating everyone comfortably, just having very facing very little adversity, that's just, okay, I mean, you're you're super good. But here, he actually had to fight for every single match. And I believe that that makes it perhaps even more impressive than than what he was able to do in the two previous weeks in Forli, especially as, as after the first one, he there came that loss against Goyo. So you know, fitness has never been Draper's strong suit. 
before i believe in 2021 he had like five retirements uh constant mm. issues constant fitness even uh, do you remember there was that match against kukushkin in miami where he had some uh, something with his heart as well i believe maybe it was warm or something like that yeah he had to retire after the first set not due to an injury but some um can't remember what was the the exact issue but but it, it really seemed like the the fitness is gonna hold him back and to to get that title here especially in these circumstances like even from the beginning of the match practically he he had nothing in the tank and then somehow he kept fighting obviously failed to serve out the match but the the comeback was phenomenal from from zero five down in the in the deciding tiebreaker and then then three six and then one more one more match but yeah yeah, I mean, it, 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 as as I said, I I was uh, very confident in him coming into this week uh, because of that Goya loss. Uh, so so that's why I, I think it is the most impressive uh, for for me as well. I mean, all of them three set matches uh, except for his win over Ferrari um, had to come back from a set down three times. Uh, just incredible from from Draper. Um, yeah, he he now does get a bit of a rest. I think I don't think he's scheduled for anything in the in the upcoming month. No, so my, he's, he's probably gonna play Miami, though, right? Because he's signed oh, up yeah. by ING, so so I imagine he should. Get yeah, yeah, that's, that's probably gonna be a wild card. So that's why he isn't yeah. on the entry list. So that makes sense. Well, he uh, is on the entry list for the main draw, but he's like the 80th alternate or something. Is uh, is the qualis list out already, or because I think uh, maybe it's not. Yeah, it's not out yet. That's why he's not. not. I don't know if he's going to be there, but I imagine he has to get an, an ING wild card right now. Yeah, should should be absolutely. Uh, but yeah, anyway, that, that that gives him a couple of weeks off. Um, yeah, su- super impressive. As I said, the, the fitness stuff. Um, he he is super young, and and for, I mean, I, I guess like a very famous example of this is Djokovic, who used to have a lot of fitness mm-hmm. issues early on in his career, and sort of got through that over that and uh, i mean he went on to become one of the most fit players playing fucking six hour matches and whatnot so i feel like draper um so so far this year he he's proved he's not really had an issue like that and he's probably moved past it hopefully going forward um we should talk about uh, richard obviously very impressive uh run from qualifying i i, I did not really highlight him as much uh how did you like uh richard this week i mean over the past six months or so he's been pretty excellent uh had that fantastic stretch of tournaments that we talked about last year when he lost only to greek sport three times uh what was it like naples naples and something else right lisbon maybe or something like this uh anyhow i mean he, he sort of disappeared off the radar but still you know, in faster conditions, he's got that seven forehand. He's he's been absolutely excellent this week, and it's honestly a bit of a shame for this guy that he missed out because at 27 you cannot really be certain that many occasions are gonna come, right? It's not like if Draper loses or like if Ojeda Yassim loses the first eight finals of the main tour, uh, yeah. you're just certain that more are gonna come when you're Alexander Richard, when you're 27, almost 28, I think, next month, you're never quite confident that more chances are going to appear. Uh, he's, by the way, uh, apparently he's turning Swiss again because oh. he's going to play Davis Cup for Switzerland. I, and... I mean, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me because obviously Federer and Wawrinka do not play Davis Cup, or, or I mean, at, at least not in the group that they are in right now. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't really drop down like that. And I think Swiss, he would be what, number three? Laksonen. Uh, uh, I looked La- at the... Hussler, and I can't think of anybody Hussler. else. Yeah, I think there was someone... Hmm. Um, let me see. Yeah, I have this... Oh, Stryker, yeah. <laughs> oh, Stryker, yeah. Yeah, I remember <laughs> seeing him on, as, the, as the fourth spot on the you know, on the list of nominations, but I couldn't, I couldn't remember Stryker mm-hmm. either. Uh, yeah, he's already under the Swiss flag on the ATP site as well, but was still was still under the American one in the PDF, and also I guess for now we can still call him American. Uh, uh, about Draper, one more thing: I checked when uh, when this happened last, when someone uh, clinched three challenger titles by the end of February, and it turns out that it actually wasn't so far back. 2016, uh, two players did it: uh, Gerald Metzer and Mikhail Yuzhny. 
But I think what usually did is just going to be uh, pretty much impossible to, you know, to repeat because he actually won the first three in the first three weeks of the year. Oh, that, that, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bangkok, Bangkok, and Manila. So um, you know, some 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 countries that we haven't seen <laughs> on the Challenger Tour in a while, but an absolutely amazing run. He only dropped two sets in the in this one. So. That's going to be very hard to beat, yeah. I mean, I I, I assume that Draper is the first player to have all of his titles, all three of his first titles, come in the same place. <laughs> the same very city. possible, yeah. Before the pandemic, yes, there yes. weren't really any, any things like four events in Biela or four events in... Yeah. Uh, five events in 40, right? Because Draper missed one. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, yes, should we move on to... Um, Pau, or, or should we talk about anybody else from, from Forni? Let me see. Who did you even have as a peak? Because I can't remember. Who did I, who did I, um, who did I pick? Not Forni? Draper, right? Uh, no, I, 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 I picked this with Bergs. Uh, oh, me, to my did I pick? I, I picked Bergs too, right? No, you, you ended up switching to, to Van Eitelen. So you were actually ah, end up I was pretty close. Wow. I didn't. I didn't remember that I ended up switching to Rovan Raitovan. I was that that certain that I had Bergs because that was the idea of mine coming into the episode. So okay, Rovan Raitovan was actually pretty close again. Yeah, uh, beat Makac. Uh, so that's yeah. He was also uh, going for a back-to-back final. So uh, both Van Raitovan and Draper had a really tough time this week adjusting physically. How did Draper do it is just insane. And I guess you mentioned uh, Gianmarco Ferrari, who came absolutely out of nowhere. Uh, he was like, what, the world number 900, uh, 900-something, right? 908. And defeated mm-hmm. Marius Kopil, Matteo Viola, and Damir Dumhur. Uh, all massive upsets. <coughs> I, To be honest, I only watched the match against Dumhur. I was super surprised at how well this guy played. Uh, a pretty big lefty forehand. He was very solid of the backhand side. He was just very nasty to play. Uh, and he's already lost in touring qualities this week. So I guess it's not going to last, at least not, you know, at least not uh, right right off the bat. It's not going to be like he's suddenly going to overperform, but certainly had a fantastic week. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Jumhur was somebody I highlighted as yeah. a potential uh, um a, a potential player who could take out Draper. Uh, so for him to to be taken out by Ferrari, it's very very surprising. Uh, yeah, a lot of potential, I guess. He's he's only twenty one, uh, so so we might be seeing more of him, especially with how many Italian events there are on the Challenger Tour nowadays. Uh, he's he's sure to get some Challenger uh, qualifying wildcards. Um, yes, should we should we go to Paul? Yeah. Yes, Paul, where Quentin Alice took the title, beating out Vasek Pospisil in the final, 4-6-6-4-6-3 for his fourth challenger title. Alice moves up 22 spots, number 120. Uh, he beat Alexander Muller, Nino Sedarusic, Gregor Barrer, and Roman Safiulin on his way to the final. How did you like Alice this week? I mean, I'm not going to lie. Uh, if you've been listening to this podcast, I've been talking about Quentin Alice a lot. <laughs> that he's you know on his way to possibly break the top 100 that he's playing at that level right now i still think so uh he's had a pretty good run uh Serda Rusic is always dangerous i mean barrera and safiulin these are very tough matches uh served extremely well mostly avoided the mental hiccups he didn't in the final though like the the last game i i honestly at some point thought that he wasn't gonna do it uh alice had six uh, straight finals lost in a row right before this one five at challengers uh and one itf as well so his last title actually came in april 2018 which is which is quite shocking for a player of this class that was also when he uh, reached his career high ranking of 102. Right now he's getting close because he only needs 116 points, I believe, to uh, to break the top 100. Uh, I believe Pospisil was the was the better player early on, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I just couldn't really quite get how how Pospisil is doing as well as he's doing this year because he's reached the quarterfinals in every single event he played. He's like 17-3 right now, something like that, right? 17-4? 17-4, yeah. He would have been 18-3 if he 
if he won. And then the honestly, the final was quite uh, quite disappointing in the latter sets from him, although he was also gassed. Uh, but but some very I don't know even how to explain it, but, but first of all, untimely DFs. He lost his serve in, on a DF both in sets one, uh, set one and two, but also the, the serve plus one play was like really all over the place. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy to see Alice finally get over that line because I really believe that he's a guy who deserves to at least have another shot at that top 100 spot. Yeah, and I mean, he, he will probably get it now. Um, as you said, he he's something over a, a like, like like a hundred points off. Uh, he he doesn't drop anything for the for the next month at all. Not much, uh, yeah. So uh, he, he's he's positioned well to to certainly make a make a run for it. Uh, as for Bospisil, uh, his fifteenth challenger final, uh, ten and five now uh, moves up sixteen spots, number one hundred thirty nine. I was actually surprised to see Pospisil as gassed in the final compared to Alice, mm-hmm. since Alice had like a monster semi-final match against Safulin, and Pospisil didn't drop a single set uh, on on the way to the final. I also felt like his draw was a bit easier. Only French players for Pospisil the entire tournament uh, uh, started against Antoine Huang, who I think is still winless. Uh, no, one one win for for Huang, one and seven uh, on the season, so he's struggling. Then uh, Arthur Fields. Antoine Escoffier, Manuel Guinard, and then lost to Alice. Um, yeah, should, should we talk about um, some other guys that could reach the top 100 here? Uh, sure. After that, I also have like two more people to mention from Paul, I imagine. But we we also thought that we could, because Alice is so close, there's really plenty of players uh, just outside. Well, I mean, not just outside, but outside the top 100 who still haven't broke it, but are doing well right now. Like, for example, Daniel Galan, then earlier, uh, lower down, we've got Varias, Vukic, uh, Zapata Miralesh, even, uh, Alice, Kozlov, Echeverry, Brody, Milojevic, Mahaj, uh, Thomas Mahaj, Elias Imer, like the list goes on. And I, uh, you know, we figured that we would talk about which one of these guys could possibly break it uh, sometime soon. I don't know, where, you know what sort of a time frame we're putting on this, like until the end of the year or something like that. Oh, maybe, yeah. We we could. Uh, I, I was sort of looking for for the upcoming month. Uh, oh, okay. How, how many dropping and 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 what their mm-hmm. schedule is. Like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we can certainly talk about the end of the end of the year. Yeah, so uh, next few months, because in terms of in in yeah. in some of these cases, like maybe I'll start with dropping one. Uh, like Vukic, he's gonna drop sixty points soon because of the Monterey final that he had in 2020. Uh, but mm-hmm. after that, he's basically not defending much until September. So even though the clay season is coming and he's obviously better on other surfaces when it's faster, uh, I think this is a guy who could certainly break the top 100 like in I don't know, two or three months. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that Vukic has a, has a very good shot. Um, I I think that there, there there's a couple of guys here um, like Varias and Echeverri who obviously clay quarters uh, they they I think have a very good shot at sort of getting very close uh, in this upcoming month with Santiago and Concepcion they're going to be one of the favorites uh, for for both of those tournaments and um, I think they're both around the hundred point mark off. So if if somebody if somebody can win both, they would break the top to the top one hundred, which is I think a little unlikely. But um, yeah, I I think those are two guys that have a pretty good shot. But then they do start dropping points as we as we yeah. move into the summer. Um, yeah, I mean Galan, Galan is so close that it's literally like. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think he d- defends like a huge chunk of his points in May when he was in the final at Helbron or won Helbron. Uh, anyhow, uh, that, that's probably he also. I mean, he's 105th right now. He's got mm-hmm. 40 points only to make up. So, uh, so, so it's really he, just he he, he, does, he does drop a lot of points. Uh, I, I think I think what is this in in two weeks? Yeah. In okay. no, in three weeks, sorry, he he drops like eighty points. Um, so so mm-hmm. that's a difficult 
vision for him. Uh, he's been so close for for such a long time now, right? And and uh, yeah, yeah, he has. Yeah, if you if you're saying that he that he's gonna drop uh, the the eighty points soon, then he might miss out again, actually, uh, which would be quite I don't know if hilarious, but I mean, pretty sad for the guy. <laughs> Uh, Kozlov is another one who can probably do it. He really hasn't played that much in the first half of 2021. So he's basically not defending anything until the North American hardcourt season. And by by what he's playing in uh, Acapulco now or Derby Beach earlier, uh, I think he can certainly do it with a, like a good ATP run or maybe a, an American challenger somewhere, something like this. Yeah, for for both Kozlov and Vukic, I think it'll be. Um, I, I I feel like if, if they if they uh, if either of them has like a big run at Indian Wells or or Miami, mm-hmm. and, and they and they get it now, that would be huge for them go, going into the upcoming months where there's almost only clay on on the Challenger Tour. So so if, if they would be able to sort of play ATP events and stuff, uh, I, I feel like that would help them out a lot because I I feel like both of them will struggle if they try to play clay in Europe. Yeah. Last uh, last year, I would have said Mats Moraing, but he's certainly not in this form anymore. Had some, yeah. had some health issues again. So maybe let's finish this with one last question. When is Jack Draper going to break the top 100? <laughs> <coughs> so, hmm. this is difficult because he is scheduled basically to play nothing outside of Miami potentially. Um, he, he is, what is this? Four, five, nine. So, so, so he is still a, a like, like 220 points off, but I do, I, I do think that he's going to do it by the end of the season. End of the season. I feel like it's very realistic. There's going to be the indoor, uh, maybe another Forley event, for example, for him to win, yeah. right? <laughs> and I mean, uh, end of the season, I believe it's it would be a, quite a surprise at this point if he didn't. But Wimbledon, mm-hmm. like, I, I'm hearing a lot of people saying by Wimbledon, but it could be tough. Like, um, we still don't really know what he's going to show on clay. He was fine at ITFs last year. Some tougher, <laughs> op- beat some tougher opponents. Like, I would say, I don't know, Srcina or Vbenski are already... One of the tough, one of the, you know, some tougher guys than you, that you can actually get in clay ITFs. Then he played some clay challengers, but only in that part of the season when he was uh, injured basically all the time. Um, right now he's got a lot more rally tolerance, so maybe that's gonna help as well. Uh, but he's he's gonna drop some points for Queens as well, right? I, he was in the quarters there, quarters there, probably. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, he he won. He defeated Bublik and someone, someone else. Sinner, Sinner, right? Uh, yeah. So, so that that's gonna be a, a pretty huge hit to his points. Like as you mentioned, two hundred and ten or two hundred twenty, something like that. That's a little much. Uh, until Wimbledon, this is very, this is very tough. But until the end of the season, seems really realistic, especially if he if he keeps playing like this. He's already he already has to have like. 260, 250 this year, right? Yeah, 256. So the 43rd spot in the in the ATP race after two months. Um, okay, so we also in Paul, I also wanted to mention Arthur Fields, whom you just uh, name dropped when talking about uh, Pospisius draw. Uh, but he's looking really good right now. He's just 17. Uh, I believe he's also improved his his backhand a lot in general. How consistently he can make his ground strokes had a great win against Zhijian Zhang, uh, and then played very well against Pospisil as well. I think this is a guy who uh, still. I, I imagine I probably had that opinion last year as well that out of these all the young Frenchmen, maybe not taking Kazo into consideration because that's pretty tough since he hasn't played this year yet. Uh, but but guys like Mayo, Vanash, uh, Fields, um, Petri Pericard, this is someone who can have like the a sky high potential really, and and I'm I'm so looking forward to to watching him more on the Challenger Tour this year because it seems like that's that's where he's going. You know, the the goal will be to obviously keep his ranking, uh, you know, get his ranking to a point where he's not only relying on French wildcards, but could also actually play challengers on his own. He's gonna he's also playing in touring qualities this uh this week. 
Um, was there someone else that, that we wanted to talk about? Um, maybe maybe Escoffier. Uh, with oh, the yes, qualifier, yes. Qualifier. Yeah. Uh, beat Locke and Oliel in, in qualies, then Kasper Juk and Radu Albot, who actually ended up having to be a lucky loser uh, because he lost to Emilio Nava in the, in the qualifying, surprisingly enough. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a very very impressive run, I think, as well. Yeah, 29 years old, I think, and he's playing the best tennis of his life for sure. Uh, and mm. looking at his ranking situation, he's like actually with a good chance to make uh, Wimbledon or Roland Garros qualies, because yeah. most of his points come from uh, the 25 Ks that he won, and these were all later in the season. Uh, I think he's won four 25Ks in the span of like six months or something like that, including one this this month over Penistone in in the in the UK. So there, there's like a very serious chance that this guy makes grandson qualities, which is so huge at this stage of his career. Because I imagine, you know, at, at some point you just think that maybe I'm never going to do that, and and that's like a real milestone. And this is pro- pro- probably somewhat similar to what Franco Agamemnon had at last year. Uh, to what we talked about and Agamemnon was really able to establish himself as a as a challenger player not only on clay I don't know if that's the future for Escoffier because I I I don't know if I see it not indoors Uh, but if he could play Grand Slam qualities that would be something insane I'm actually not sure if he played uh, Ron Garros qualities ever but I don't think he was ever like the top I know like a top talent in France that, that, that they decided to give him wild cards I don't think so Yes. Uh, should we go to match of the week and upset of the week? Yes. Maybe I will also uh, explain one more thing. If someone is wondering why uh, the poor final in doubles wasn't played uh, between Olivetti, Hernandez and Trzewiecki Juk, it was because of a positive test for Trzewiecki, uh, oh. who was apparently asymptomatic. Uh, and if he's going to be negative tomorrow, then he can leave on, on France on Monday. But but yeah, that's why they that's why they didn't play it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I was wondering actually why, why there was a walkover uh, in the final. Uh, but yeah, match of the week, upset of the week. I think that we will probably have the same upset, I think. Uh, yeah. So let's start. <laughs> uh, who, who did you pick for your upset of the week? Ferrari, Junkur. I mean, Absolutely. We've yeah. already talked about it. I think there was like a... There, there were some other options, like maybe Escoffier Albot, but that was honestly... I mean, I, I just wasn't impressed with Albot at all. I watched his match against Nava and Escoffier just on the basis of the ITF results, barely watched him, honestly. But uh, but but I didn't really think that it was that huge. Uh, the, the win that Kukushkin had over Lehechka was insane. 6-0, 6-2. I, I, I didn't watch it. I don't even know what happened there. So at the beginning of the week, maybe I thought that this was going to be my, my upset of the week, but no. Uh, I mean, Ferrari over Junkur just took over <laughs> completely. Uh, obviously, the, the ones I mentioned before, Ferrari against Copil and Viola were huge as well, but Junkur is just in another class, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, as I said, I've, I felt like Junkur was going to have a decent tournament, maybe stop uh, Draper there. Uh, turned out not to be the case at all. Uh, yes, who did you pick for your match of the week? Match of the week. Uh, now I'm wondering if I picked my up- match of the week, <laughs> and I probably didn't. Uh, but I'm gonna quickly make up for that, and probably. Dude, and are we going to have the same? I don't really I, have. I, 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 don't, I don't think we will. I, no? I think okay. Something else. Yeah. Okay, good, good, because I don't really see another option for myself than Draper Richard, probably. It wasn't great in terms of the quality. I think for most most of the time it was. Uh, I think the players sort of peaked at different times. There were moments when Richard's forehand was just unbelievable. Uh, then when Draper put more pressure on him, uh, and and you know the the sheer drama of the tiebreak. I think I will I will definitely go for this. I'm, I don't think it's going to be my favorite final of the year or something. But I think it's certainly the one of the most dramatics, uh, dramatic ones. All right, yeah, I I've gone for uh, Luca Pui beating Norbert Gombos in the first round, two six seven six seven six. Very impressive, I think, in in terms of uh, the the level was high. Um, Pui saved the match point in the in the second set. Uh, the the final tiebreaker was a little bit anticlimactic, I feel. 
Pui took it 7-2. Gombos never really looked in it, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, so, so I think a, a very solid match. That that, that that was pretty cool as well. I, I I didn't watch it in full, but but caught like the the, the most important moments. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so I guess we now need to go to Gran Canaria or Torino, which are the next the two challengers that are going to be happening next week. Uh, there was also a third one in Moscow. Uh, actually, I guess this is a a pretty interesting <laughs> conversation as well. Like, what do you think about? Uh, and I'm not deciding not to have the the challenger there for obvious reasons. For I mean, the... I uh, I'm, I'm I'm not sure when the decision was taken uh, in in the timeline of the whole situation, um, mm. but yeah, I, I, I think it makes perfect sense uh, considering what's going on. It's it's horrible, of course, uh, and and of course considering what, what the rest of the sports world as a whole is doing with with F1 canceling the the, the Russian Grand Prix. Uh, Eurovision uh, taking out Russia from from its competition. Uh, I I felt it was very logical. Um, it, it was a very logical move by uh, the ATP to to not have this event there. So I think it was actually pretty fast, like pretty quickly taken. The the, the decision was pretty quickly taken uh, on Thursday. It was announced on Thursday. So I think this was. Uh, a little while before most of the sporting world started that's, eliminating, that's, that's, excluding Russia. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that, that's very impressive. Then I think, uh, of course, ideally there would be a replacement event of some sort. Uh, but obviously, with with that short of a notice, it's almost impossible to to pull together unless they, I don't know, they they convinced Forley to have another week or something. Or <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's impossible because you need to also you know have it. To, uh, settled with the government. I mean, in terms of the, yeah. the you know the the gathering of people, simply. Uh, I always have this a little thought on like why the tournament organizers should be punished for what their country is doing. But I guess this is a an issue that cannot really be. Uh, I mean, it, it's just impossible to look at it right now. <laughs> simply, uh, mm. there's a lot of you know some play. Some people are also. Let's say uh, trying to put forward the idea that maybe Russian players should be banned from tennis. Like that's probably a step too much for me because yeah. it's such an individual sport. And also in the case of Andrei Rublev, for example, we can see that they can have a very positive influence. Like he made headlines all over mm -hmm. the world simply by writing "No more please" on the camera. Like if if you ban Russian players, that's not going to happen. And there's I I I don't believe there's been any Russian player who said yes. It's great that we're attacking Ukraine. I mean, in fact, there's yeah, like... I mean, there, there, there was there was like one weird one. It was from from Nadia Petrova, the the okay. former yeah. women's player. She, she 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 like shared this conspiracy theory guy on her Instagram story. Um, but I, I, from what I saw, she was the only one. I, I think that banning Russian tennis players is, is too far. Absolutely, uh, it's it's very different than to other sports. Like like when you when you ban the, the national team of, of Russian football or something or in hockey, it's it's very different because those players are club players. That's how they make their money. To take out the Russian players out of it, out of tennis altogether and prevent them from making money is, is I think like quite too far. Yeah. Yeah, like Poland is supposed to play Russia in the World Cup qualifier uh, in football, and it, once uh, you know one of these teams would face Sweden or Czechia, I believe, and yeah. all three teams, so Sweden, Czechia, and Poland, already said that they're not going to play Russia. Uh, <coughs> I mean, I can understand that. Maybe if there was like a, a neutral ground and they wouldn't, I don't know, maybe they wouldn't play the anthem or something like this. Maybe that's some sort of a way out. But yeah, and, and it, obviously it's very unfortunate for everyone involved. Involved. Honestly, I just hope that Ukraine beats Russia. Like that would be, that would be incredible because that Putin would be discredited for forever. Like even, yeah, even in mean Russia, even his supporters would be like, we can't beat Ukraine. We, the you know, the powerful nation. Yeah, I mean, I I tend to think that he has very limited support, even within Russia. Yeah. Um, based on what you see all the protests and stuff. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. 
Uh, anyway, tennis. We have <laughs> with Torino. Where would you like to start? Uh, I don't know. Maybe Torino. This is the, the, the indoor event, of course. And then we're going to go for a first clay court one in, in Europe this year. I don't know. Uh, yeah, is it? yeah, very good. I think thing. so, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm almost sure. Uh, Torino, we have Quentin Alice. Uh, he was just a champion this week. He plays again. He plays Andrea Vavasori in the first round, which should be a pretty fun match. Uh, winner faces Matteo Viola or a qualifier. Other seed in the section is sixth seed uh, Daniel Masur playing Francesco Maestrelli. Winner faces Giulio Cepieri or Andrea Arnaboldi. Uh, second section, we have Franco Agamenone, the fourth seed, plays Hiroki Moria. Winner faces Michael Mo or Zhijian Zhang. Then we have Thomas Fabiano playing Ruben Bemelmans. Winner faces Luca Potenza uh, or Yela Sells. Third section, we have Vasek Pospisil playing a qualifier. <coughs> Winner faces uh, Ulysses Blanche or Maxime Janvier. Uh, other season section is Maxime Matera playing a qualifier. And the winner of that faces Julian Lenz or another qualifier. Final section, we have Mats Morang. The second seed plays uh, Manuel Guinat. Winner faces Juan Pablo Fikovic or a qualifier. Uh, other season section is Tim Van Reitoven um, playing Tobias Kamke. Winner faces Luca Nardi or another qualifier. As for qualifying, uh, a couple of names in here. Ryan Penniston, uh, Arthur Fields, who you just talked about, Escoffier, who you just talked about, uh, Rosenkranz, Giano. Then we have Almano Olivetti, a little bit of a plus, blast from the past there when it comes to singles, at least. Uh, Kenny De, Kenny De Shepper. Uh, yeah, so who do you like here in Turin? Yeah, as you said, I mean, there are plenty of good qualifiers. Uh, I, I, we actually just, just before we started recording, we talked a bit about Olivetti, who hasn't played uh, a singles match since the pandemic. Hadn't, I mean, because he just defeated Tristan Lamazin today and he's going to play fields. That's pretty interesting. Also, there was an alternate spot for Stefan Robert, uh, which, which was cool to see first time since August. I think that he, that he took one. He only played two, two singles matches in qualifying challengers qualifying last year. Didn't beat fees. I think last year uh, Robert was traveling with Lamazin, uh, so I'm not sure if that's if that's still the case. Um, anyhow, yeah, I'm not really. You know, the qualifiers are so strong that I can't really look at either one of them in terms of you know, someone winning the title or something, because every single one is so strong, and you never know which which section of the draw they're going to land in. Uh, I've got two guys who's draws I really enjoy. Uh, as you said, Alice Vavasori is, is a very good first round matchup. I wouldn't really pick Alice to, to win the title again. Uh, but I've got Pospisil and Van Rijthoven in mind. The problem is that they both were either gassed or just played two very long weeks, uh, you know, j- j- just now, just yesterday or, or today. Uh, but I think I'm going to still go for Van Rijthoven. I just really in, like the draw. Even though Luca Nardi could be interesting. By the way, he's, it's his first match since January as well. So it's mm-hmm. a little bit of a question mark. The The last match he played was actually the blowout loss to Draper that he that he had in Forley right after winning his Maiden Challenger title. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Van Rijthoven. So actually repeat the, the peak that I had uh, in Forley last week, uh, I, I am concerned about his fitness. But if he's if he's recovered, I still think this is a guy who should at some point win an indoor challenger. He's just too good not to. Um, yeah, Van Aertman is somebody I considered very strongly as well. Um, but in the end of the day, I've decided to go for Vasek Pospisil. Uh, last time I picked him didn't work out great for me. Hopefully this time he, he can make it up for me. Um, the the draw that he he had last week wasn't the best, uh, but until the final, he made his way through it pretty pretty easily, uh, which sort of encourages me into this week. I, I like his first rounds quite a bit. Martirer could be tricky in the quarters, but we'll see. Uh, yes, Vashik was special for me. <clears throat> All right, let's go to Gran Canaria. First clay event of the year. Uh, in in Europe, uh, obviously we had uh, South American clay events earlier. We have Roberto Carabaez Baena with a wild card as the top seed, uh, playing Luciano Daderi. Winner faces Milian Jekic or Paul Martin Tifon. Other seed in section is uh, seven seed Fe- Federico Gallo plays a qualifier. Winner faces Goncalo Oliveira 
or Matthias Borg. Second section will be Salvador Caruso, opens against the qualifier, then faces one of uh, Carlos Jimeno Valero or Timofey Skatov, who I'm, I'm interested in what, to, what those guys are going to bring. Uh, then we have Lorenzo Giustino playing Nicolas Sanchez Izquierdo, and the winner of that face is Tui Aydukovic or a qualifier. Third section, we have Andre Martin playing uh, <laughs> Nicolas Alvarez Varona. Um, yeah, well, okay. Uh, winner faces Ricardo Bonadio or a qualifier. Uh, then we have Alessandro Gianesi playing Lucas Rosso. Um, winner faces Nicolas Moreno de Alboran or Pablo Yamas Ruiz. Final section, we have Gianluca Maguer, uh, plays a qualifier, winner faces Javier Barranco Cusano or another qualifier. Uh, other scene section is Gianmarco Moroni, plays Rao Brancaccio, uh, winner faces Eduardo Esteve Lobato or Joao Dominguez. Uh, as for qualifying, a uh, couple of names here, uh, Johan Joh- Nicholas maybe, Alexis Gauthier, uh, we remember from, from last year. Um, Vladislav Orlov. I don't really know these other guys don't really appeal to me as much. No, no. I don't think Vladislav Orlov is gonna go to it's gonna go far. Man. I don't know. I don't know anymore. Uh, no disrespect um, meant to Vladislav Orlov, but <laughs> yes, uh Nicholas could actually beat um Dumbia and Rebull to qualify, which I think would be pretty funny. Um yes, yeah, who, who do you like here in, in Gran Canaria? Yeah, not, not much in the qualities. I don't think there's anyone who could really go on on the run. The players whom I would have thought that maybe they could, like Misolic or uh, Calvin Emery, they lost like in total blowouts today. Uh, so I'm glad that we're, we're, we're recording this after they lost and I can't make a fool of myself. <laughs> Anyhow, I mean, I really have no clue. Uh, Carbaez Baina Darderi is a very interesting first round matchup. Not that I necessarily think that Darderi has a big chance to win it, but he had that fantastic run in South America last year. Uh, only played one match so far this season. And there's there's a few of these players, like Jimeno Valero also. We haven't seen him since he had these uh, that arm injury in South America as well and committed like 20 double faults a match. Uh, and I am really thinking of some sort of a hero call like Jimeno Valero, but or maybe <laughs> Ricardo Bonadio, who I went for in the past. But Ricardo Bonadio is really good. And I mean, I, I, I'm seriously considering this guy. He played pretty well in ITFs as well recently. Uh, won at 25K, uh, beating Martin Cuevas in the final. I think he also beat Bajdukovic there. And I, I think I'm seriously going to go for Ricardo Bonadio again. Like none of the favorites really speak out to me. Mager hasn't has been out of form for a while now. Uh, I don't want to go for someone like Guy or Moroni. They're just so uneven most of the time. Gianessi always seemed to think that he's not going to do well. Then he suddenly does. Obviously, he's a fantastic clicker specialist as well. But I mean, just no one. I, I'm not confident in any pick here, so I might as well just go with Ricardo Bonadio because if it's you know if it if he wins, I'm gonna be a genius. If he doesn't, like okay, it was a tough throw to pick out from. So let's go with Ricardo Bonadio. You know what? I mean, I'm I'm not gonna clown you for this one. Bonadio's draw, I I quite like actually. I mean, yeah. if you're seeing going to be Andre Martin, who is uh, horrible winless this year. Um, probably going to drop out of the top 200 this year or something like that. Just a little prediction. Um, then then you have, I don't know, Genesi, who actually has an 0-2 record against Rosso, both meetings on clay. Uh, interestingly enough, obviously back in 2014, 2017, Rosso was on a different level than, than he is now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Bonadio's, Bonadio's uh, I, I quite like him in that section. I'm not going to pick him, obviously. I'm not, I'm not insane. Well, um, I, honestly, <laughs> the longer I think about it, the, I, I'm, I'm not so sure it's even insane. I mean, this is an informed well, guy. He just... Yeah, I mean, uh, as, as I said, it, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. It makes a lot more than the last time you did it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Get it. I agree. Uh, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's coming off a title two weeks ago. They're actually a pretty strong title in, in Antalya. Exactly, uh, right? I, I, I do Kovic. Uh, Kirkin, Kirkin, right? Kirkin, Kirkin as well, yeah. Yeah. Very strong so, round. And also the, the week before he reached the semis and lost to Neumeyer, right? Or something like that. Not a horrible pick. I am, however, going to go for Roberto Carbaez-Baina. 
because despite the fact that he's you know kind of struggling for an eight on the year on clay he he is better than than a lot of these guys um like even though he's been struggling on clay he's already beaten Holgerun uh Nicolas Kari Chegosibosvil this year like I'm uh so somebody could beat him in this draw, but I think that he's the main favorite. So why, why yeah. would I not pick? Carbaez is the sensible pick, but I mean, it's boring. Like even <laughs> if Carbaez Baena wins the title, I think it's a moral victory for me. <laughs> <laughs> We're currently tied at what one? At one one, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you will you you will be leading the moral winners picks. Yeah. One zero. I'm gonna start a different classification. I'm, I'm just gonna <laughs> you know sign up who who on the moral category. And uh, the way you lose points in the moral victory category you, is picking by picking top, top seeds. Uh, I don't know who else. Like picking some some guys you know who are just dropping from from the ATP tour, like Carvajal by yeah. Naya. That, that's how you lose points in the moral victory. And I mean, you guys decide who which which part of this of this prediction competition is gonna be more important. <laughs> okay, I mean, uh, I didn't really plan it. I didn't even ask you to. But I mean, there, there's also it's also going to be a week of uh, Davis Cup, so maybe we can just mention like, what do you think about Slovakia's chances against Italy? Um. I, I've, I've been so disconnected from it. I'm not even sure who we've nominated. I can really I can tell up. you. I, I got it pulled up because I was just checking uh, Switzerland and I pulled it up. Uh, for Slovakia, it's Alex Bolchan, Norbert Gombosz, Filip Orański, Filip Polaszek and Igor Zelenaj. And for Italy, we've got Yannick Sinner, Lorenzo Sonego, Lorenzo Musetti, Stefano Travaglia and Simone Bolelli. Now, I'm not going to say that we're going to win, but... I, I do think that we're not absolutely without chance here. So mm-hmm. we, we are home, which I think is very important to us. Um, we, we have just ended all of the, all of the COVID uh, protocols. So it should be hundred percent capacity allowed. Are we going to sell out? I don't, I, I don't actually know uh, if you would sell out against Italy, but uh, I, I think Alex Sinner should be a big draw to, to get people in the building. Based on what we did against Chile, I, I was very impressed with with, with Gombos. Gombos is a great Davis Cup player. He yep. he gets very involved into it. Um, I I could see us in theory maybe pulling off an upset. I, I think that Italy is obviously the big favorite, but I don't think that it's outside of the realm of possibility for us to 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 possibly maybe win. It's it's unlikely, but I think it's possible. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, it's gonna sound silly when we lose uh, three nothing, but yeah, I, I wouldn't. I'm I don't disagree. Hopeless. Yeah, I'm. I'm not completely hopeless going into it. Yeah, indoor at Bratislava is a pretty good choice of of surface for sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's gonna be hard to beat Sinner, like whoever plays him. So I guess you would need to rely on doubles and Gombos and Molchan beating the the other guy, whoever is going to be, whether Sonego or Musetti. Uh, yeah. Is that actually unclear? I don't know. I mean, Sonego has. I mean, it, 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 it should be Sonego. Uh, should be, but he's coming from South America, right? Like he. Is he? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe that will suit us better uh they they've lost Fonini uh who was originally in the nomination I think oh. uh but, but withdrew due to injury so you know moral victory for us <laughs> on that one <laughs> um yeah I'm, I'm a little bit puzzled with the pick of Filip Horansky as the as the third singles player um who would you I, I go would... for <sighs> ah, you know fair enough actually it's the key but Martin Kovalik probably not maybe Lutzko uh, depends on just how fast we make it in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, but, but, he's but probably not going to play, right? Anyway. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, most likely not. Um, yeah, d- doubles. I mean, we, we have Filip Polashik. He's one of the best doubles players in the world, uh, which is still absolutely mind blowing to me because I, I remember when, while he was retired, he, he was he was just a coach. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't even like a, like a, I, I, I don't think that he coached like a professional player. I think he was just like a coach at a club, uh, as, as far as I remember. So it's wild to me that he's one of the top doubles players in the world, but he is. So I feel like I feel like doubles, we, we could have an edge. Um, Gombos might might get us a, a, a point against the number two. Uh, can Molchan beat Sonego? I, I, well, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult, but I'm not 
going into the hopeless, as I said. Are are you playing this week? Is is Poland? Yes, playing? one uh, one step uh, lower, let's say, on the mm-hmm. in terms of the tiers. Yeah, I, I also wanted to mention that much. Uh, I think it's deceptively hard. I will read out the nominations as well uh, for Portugal because we're playing Portugal in Maya, indoor clay, of course. Uh, Israel Souza, Nuno Borges, Gastão Elias, Frederico Ferreira Silva, and Francisco Cabral. And for Poland, uh, we've got Kamil Majkszak, Kacper Żuk, Daniel Michalski, Jan Zieliński, and Szymon Walkow. Uh, what do you, what would you make of this? Honestly, I mean, I'm going to be honest here. I think that Portugal is the favorite. <laughs> uh, like, there, there is a Hurkacz, which I think makes makes them the favorite. If if Hurkacz is there, uh, I, I think that you're of course, you're, yeah. Um, but having having Souza, having Borges as, as the one-two against Mekhrish against Juk at home on clay, I think that they're the favorites. Uh, Borges, Cabral, very strong doubles. I, I think that you might be in trouble, yeah. <laughs> I don't disagree, and I, I just checked the bookies odds. I mean, I, I didn't see them before. But yeah, and even published bookies have Portugal as the favorites. Obviously, this is after the nominations, yeah. Before that, it was probably the other way around. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I understand that Hurkacz didn't want to play here and uh, and went to the states to you know to to practice uh, there. But I don't know if he went already, but he's gonna go, of course. Um, I think Borges is probably the best singles player they have, like indoors or on a fast hard court. I would probably say Souza, but but indoor indoor clay Maya. Uh, Borges is from Maya, so he's gonna get all the support. He loves that heavy very slow surface that they have there. So, I mean, I, I really don't think we're the favorites now. Uh, doubles, it can be potentially tough. Like, Janinski and Valkov aren't in any extremely good form right now. They just lost to Drzewiecki and Zhuk in Po. They, they, they've been uh, Dumbia and Rebul in, in uh, Pune, I think. Uh, they haven't really been goading recently. And uh, I really don't like the fact that they managed to fit Cabral into the team. Uh, because yeah. initially in February, uh, like February, we're still in February, uh, but about uh, the, the 5th of February or something like this, Rui Mahado announced the team, like the, the Portuguese Federation announced the team already, and there was no Cabral. Uh, there were just four players, uh, Souza, Borges, Elias, and Ferreira Silva. And I was like, okay, they really missed their chance to pick Cabral instead of one of the singles guys. Because Borges Cabral are so much better than any other team they can make. And with Borges Cabral, who obviously won both titles at Maya last year, I'm really not sure that doubles is our point. And Poland is sort of... 77 Borges and Cabral last year, uh, which is, I, I think, pretty wild. Come again? The, the, the record Borges and Cabral in doubles was 37-7 and seven, uh, last yeah. year. And I mean, Poland is sort of known for doubles, right? In Every time yeah. we played Davis Cup, it was like... Okay, never mind the singles, but in doubles, we have a point for sure. When it was Firstenberg Matkowski, later it was Kubot Matkowski, sometimes Kubot Hurkacz or something. But 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 we always felt like we have a point in doubles. And right now, we don't really have the privilege. Zhuk is in very indifferent form, certainly at his weakest on clay for me, uh, although he's got his only challenger title on clay, but I still feel like uh, he's so much better indoors. And Mike Schack against Borges, like, is it really a match that Mike Schack has a very clear edge in? Like, I saw some some Polish guys saying that Mike Schack should just go 2-0 and we just need another victory. Even though I've, Mike Schack is certainly playing very well right now, he got back to the top 100, which I, I remember talking about on the podcast that, that he's probably the best player he's ever been right now. I just don't think people realize how dangerous Nuno Borges is. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm not confident about this one at all, but very excited to watch it. This is going to be super fun. I was even looking at uh, at possibly going to Maya, but it's just so, you know, for just two days, five matches, it's just too much of mm-hmm. a hassle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's going to be exciting in that I think, almost every single match is going to be close to a coin flip. Like, I, I, I think that Portugal has an edge because I feel like they're like 55, 45 in almost every single uh, rubber. But obviously, the, the way the Davis Cup is, you can just win the 45% three times in a row um, and, and, and take it. Um, so if, if you win this, you will um, 
go into the playoffs for the for the qualifiers for the finals. Yes. Next Or, year, right? Or I don't know. <laughs> I I honestly have no idea. I mean, I I lost count. Like we were yeah, it's so confusing since they changed the Yes, the, and we were also so far back because of the yeah. screw up with surfaces. I don't know if you remember that probably not because it's like not a big story, but Uh, once uh, we played Argentina in the World Group. Actually, you should remember why we were in the World Group because we beat Slovakia in, uh, in the playoffs. Uh, yes, yeah. Then we then we were in the World Group for one year, played Argentina at Wrocław or some indoor hard surface. Uh, mm -hmm. I can't remember. And we made it too fast, like more uh, faster than the uh, guidelines from DC. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, and that's why we were deducted like a billion ranking points. And when they changed the system, they only, you know, the teams were only formed formed into groups because of ranking points. So it took yeah. us a long while to even get to this stage. And as you mm. say, this is not, uh, yeah, the 12 winning teams from the playoffs that Poland is playing will play at the World Group One. Uh, so yeah, so we're basically playing. This is a qualifying round uh, for World Group One. And then if you win World Group One, then you're playing what Slovakia is is playing this year. Okay, all right. So we're yes. two matches away from being where Slovakia is right now. Yeah. yeah I, I think it was just confusing because it always used to be first you play the group, then you have the playoffs. Yeah, and now and it's now the other way around practically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, best of luck to Poland. And I best think of luck might... to Slovakia. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> You're probably yeah, even, always... even more screwed than we are. Uh, actually, I, I have odds I, I, on this I, one as well, yeah. And it's right. like 320 for, for Slovakia. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like Poland is way more likely to win than, yeah. than we are. Um, I, I just think it's like, it's it's not like some ties that I can remember. I don't know. But when we played USA back in like 2015 or 2014 or whatever, I, I looked at it and I was like, there's no way that we're going to win. Or when we played like, like Canada like two years ago, I was like, there's no way that we're winning. Um, whereas here, I have like a sl slight sliver of hope that we we might we might be able to pull it off. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's what we're gonna finish at. Uh, you know, if you're if you're not a fan of the Davis Cup, I hope you left early. <laughs> if you enjoyed this, then then it's fine. Um, we're gonna see you in a week to talk about uh, Gran Canaria and Torino or, or Turin uh, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I don't know if we're gonna mention the the Davis Cup ties that we just that we just talked about. Maybe uh, we shall see. There's also not going to be that much to talk about yet, right? Like when there's gonna be these weeks when uh, we're gonna preview five and review five, then we're possibly not really <laughs> going to be looking for something to extend the show. But <laughs> but in in the shorter weeks, uh, some sort of discussion on other topics can also happen. Uh, and you gotta live with this. Uh, okay, so thanks for listening. See you. See you soon. Bye. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Hope all of you enjoyed another ATP Challenger-centric episode from Cracked Rackets contributors Damien Kustan, Jakob Bobro. I know I say it every week. I mean it every time. You are not going to find two people who follow all of the action happening at the Challenger level more closely. So again, a huge thank you to Damien and Jakob for their continued contributions here to Cracked Rackets, of course, for updates on everything else happening in the tennis world. CrackRackets.com is the place to turn to. Like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the Mini Break Podcast. Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast, and our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel to ensure you don't miss out on any of the action. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at A.L. Gruskin. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. Very excited to have a new sponsor on the Great Shot Podcast starting tomorrow. But for today, for our Crack Rackets contributors, Damian Kust and Jakob Bobro, super producer, Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I am your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. 
Hey, great shot, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com.